everybody. This is your host, John Talker from Carbiz Insider. I have another great guest here with me today from Chatham Honda, Todd Bennett. Todd, how are you doing today? Good, John. Good. Thanks for having me on. No problem. It's a pleasure. You know, so you're someone that I, I respect a lot because uh, I'm kind of like uh, following your footsteps in terms of uh, this consulting business because you were a consultant in the past too. So I'm sure you're going to talk about it. Uh, but, you know, uh, I always respect you a lot. So I really appreciate you making up this time and uh, come here today because, you know, you're just closing the month end probably and you have a lot of work to do. So thank you for being on the show, Todd. Oh, no, again, thanks for having me. Um, no problem. You know, so I, I feel the same way about you. I mean, you, uh, you know, obviously are a consultant for about three years and you really helped us out. And, uh, you know, I, I look up to you as well. Um, but, uh yeah. Yeah. Again, thanks for having me on. It's a, no problem, Todd. My first time. First, first, first podcast ever. First podcast ever. I listen nice. to a lot of them. Yeah. So why don't you introduce yourself to uh, the viewers? Because I'm sure there's some people know you, some people don't. So let's talk about who's Todd Bennett. What does he do? Maybe talk about some, uh, you know, mountain biking and stuff and <laughs> all those goodies. <laughs> yeah. Well, I started in the business uh, in 1996 uh, in a Ford store in a town that I grew up in, um, selling and, you know, kind of worked my way up and worked at some different brands. Um, you mentioned I did some consulting. I, I, uh, am a certified Hubbard sales trainer with, uh, you know, Peter Hubbard and Shane Bolster. Uh, again, another guy that I, I look up to, uh, has helped me out a lot in my career, but, uh, yeah, I got hired here in about 2014 uh, as the general manager of the store. And at that time, it was called Honda House. And recently, it was uh, uh, bought out by the Roadsport Auto Group. Um, and like I said, September. Uh, so now we're Chatham Honda. And it's been exciting. I'm the general manager and partner. So it's uh, it's been a, it's almost like working at a at the store for the first time since since we've taken over it's it's a new place and it's it's been exciting but uh, uh, yeah. so basically road sport honda is owned by uh chris chris gauthier and, and his and his, his wife is running the store and they're very successful operators honda operators right for for a long time so and uh chatham honda has been a very successful operation for like it's one of the oldest honda stores in the in the in the country because you know your dealer code is 6702 so it's like one of the first yeah. ones right it's and not it's, it's not as old as uh road sport honda road sport honda i think is in is over 50 years um, yeah, one of the original so the first one i think was Daltz honda down somewhere in north york i think then uh, road sport and like these are the original uh honda dealerships in uh, ontario in canada and like you know I was yeah. very excited to work with you guys. That was the one of the reasons because I used to come visit your store and like it was like amazing because you know lots of experience and previous owner John Elliott was a a, a great gentleman. You know, sit down, talk to mm -hmm. him, and it was a good yeah. experience talking to you guys. And uh, the transition now, like you guys, even gonna get stronger now because I believe lots of experience, lots of knowledge going on. And yeah, uh, Road, Road Sport Honda or Road Sport Auto, Auto Group has brought uh, a lot of experience but uh there's a lot of things they bring to the table we have you know a dedicated fixed operations uh consultant uh we have a full hr department uh, uh chris goche is uh is you know always looked up to him uh he's he's um get just a wealth of knowledge I, I mean if i ever need help or you know he seems to kind of already be ahead of the curve and it's it's uh this store has a lot of potential to to get to that next level, and and uh, I, we're we're definitely going to get there now for sure. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah. There's no doubt about it, man. You guys have a very good team. You got you got Chris there, Lou there. Very good synergy going on, and yeah, that was always yeah. a pleasure, you know. <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, I've been I've been in the auto industry for 26 years, but uh, I worked with Chris DeGraw 20 years ago. Um, at a Nissan store in London. So, you know, our, our, our kind of paths circled around and, you know, he's a great GSM and a good leader here as well. You know. Well, uh, 
I got I prepared some questions for you because I think you got a really good story to talk about it. And what I mean by is like uh, your store was one of the actually it was the last physical dealer visit I have conducted before oh, really? the COVID kicked in. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So, so the last visit I came to your store, you know, did that you know my typical monthly visits and uh, stopped by, and we're talking about Chris de Graha about this uh, new virus coming out called COVID and. We're like saying, oh, this is just going to be like cold, you know, not a big deal. Yeah. Like, it's going to be fine and we don't have to worry about it. And we're talking about it. Mm -hmm. And then I came home. I was ready to go to Ottawa next week to do my Ottawa visits. And I got an email saying that everything is canceled. Stay at home. Wait for the instructions. I'm like, that's not good. And then we start doing our virtual contacts. And that 2022, the beginning was basically like... I would call a very uh, uncertain times. And mm -hmm. then Omvik jumps in and said, you can't accept customers unless there is a appointment going on. And then how do you generate appointments without having customers? Because like in the past, what we do was Saturday customers come in, right? 20 customers. We do our test drives and all that stuff with the people that we couldn't sell. We follow up and to book the appointment for the following week. That was our appointment understanding pretty much. I mean, we did the events in the database mining, but that wasn't the a primary business setup, right? Yeah. But the thing was, you guys did amazing, actually, your 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 numbers. Like, can you uh, basically, and that was my question, was how did you handle COVID-19 restrictions and how did it affect your sales? Could you tell us about that a little bit? You know, I, I think like every, every store out there when it happened, it's, everything was reactive at first. Um, Matter of fact, I think we, I don't know about Canada, but definitely we're the first store in Ontario to close before we were mandated to close. It was only about a week that that was the case, but uh, some other stores in, in, the, in the city were closing up. Um, and I thought, you know, thinking about all the expenses, if nobody's gonna come in because of the virus, why pay a bunch of people to be here when we, you know, and keep the lights on and heat the place, you know, so, you know, I'm not, at the time, it, I, you know, I'd go home every night wondering if that was, or not, be home every day wondering if, if that was the right decision. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that we did that um, to kind of like proactively try to get people to buy cars. Like, cause I don't know if you remember, but, you know, it was almost like taboo if you were to call somebody and invite them in the store when this thing was going on so you have to be kind of careful on how you how you would reach out to some people but the business changed itself like we found that like when we get a lead or or, or someone would call in it, it it was such i guess we, you know in the business we call it a qualified lead where you know the person would come in and and, and also we've seen the closing ratios on these customers very high right um it was a lot less work with people and you know the buying experience is almost better because the customer knew what they wanted. They knew what they were going to pay, you know, the, the negotiations that add the stress and, and the discomfort for the buyer and, and, and the seller seem to dissipate. Um, you know, our, we found our customer satisfaction scores going up and stuff like that. But, you know, we started to, uh, in the beginning, we would reach out to people through our database and send them an email or a mailer and, um, kind of encouraging them to that we can do a lot of this without them coming in. And, uh, you know, I think I'm, I'm definitely not alone in this. It's not like I try to reinvent the wheel or anything, but we just, we decided to go and, you know, sort of full blast at it. Um, and at that time we had inventory and it, it, it worked out. So it wasn't really much magic there, John. So but like when we look at your numbers though, like, how would you comment on like 2020 numbers? Because everybody thought, you know, this is not really, it's, this is not going to end well. And some dealers lost a lot of business compared to year over year numbers. But how was your numbers versus yeah. 19 to 20? Well, you know, it wasn't as good as it was uh, in 21, but, um, you know, we, we had a great back half of the year. And, and it's hard to speak for dealers that, um, that, lost their shirts and stuff because maybe they didn't try to adapt. Um, you know, we, you know, we definitely tried to have software in our, our system where someone could actually buy a car from 
front to start. Now, mind you, there was nobody that actually logged in and bought, uh, you know, worked Nobody out bought a car online, right? Start no. to finish. No, like no one, never no seen one start to finish. You'd get some people to get their car, their trade loaded up, but you know, they still wanted, they still wanted help. They're, yeah, I, I remember I you guys. Sorry, go ahead. On your website, you guys had that tool, and like people can go and complete the purchase completely online. And but like, yeah. I don't think you guys ever sold start to finish because the consumer doesn't want that. Like they no. still want to come and talk to you somehow, some part of the process, even though you had a really good streamlined process. Yeah. And uh, but yeah. I think you're. I think what what I what what I personally saw what the success was. You guys did a phenomenal job mining your database, and yeah, you guys really went after that and and service customers and all that stuff. You always had this good BDC set up there in your in your dealership too for service and sales and. Yeah, we we really focused hard on on the you know that trade proposition with our customers when they came in, right? Um, you know, some people come in and get a, their car needs more work than they thought, and you know, so we kind of like headed that off a little bit, you know, um, instead of them leaving, we'd offer no charge appraisals and, you know, we used obviously, you know, I, I could probably say auto alert, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it certainly helped us identify the right customers that, that would be willing to trade based on their buying history and, and their service history and all that kind of stuff It you know, quickly identifies, you know, which are the, the customers most likely to purchase. So, you know, they're the easy conversations to have and, you know, people that wanted to take advantage, took advantage and the ones that didn't, then, you know, contact you again later. Well, I, I believe you guys did overall a pretty good job in, uh, uh, it was, it was pleasure, you know, always dealing with you guys and you guys were always open and flexible and, you know, looking at better, always better like areas to improve your dealerships operations. And, you guys never like, oh, we know everything. Just leave us alone. Like, you know, or we know everything the best. Like always that good conversations. And you guys always look for areas of opportunity, which was pretty good. And you being very fair with your customers, the trade values was really helpful because <clears throat> there was some bigger dealers than you were. Uh, you were and some months you sold more cars than them. And that was interesting to see those results. Like you wouldn't expect a bigger metro dealership sold less cars than your store. And Chatham only has, what, 15,000 people. And. Oh, it's, uh, it's bigger than that. It's I think Chatham yeah. Kent's like maybe twice that, but or Chatham is, and then Chatham Kent's more like thirty, right? Thirty thousand. But you know, it was um, it was uh, it was good stuff. I was yeah. uh, really happy to see that really good teamwork you guys put together. Yeah, um, I think I think in twenty twenty, I think there was one month where we were the only store in Ontario to, to achieve our factory target. Like, you know, that was kind of like a badge we wore proudly for a few months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, you guys, you guys did amazing. And, uh, you wouldn't expect that because like, you're not in a big market, right? Like you're not in some sort of something like London, you're not like Kitchener, you're not like Cambridge, like those are bigger metro areas and, mm -hmm. uh, and like, you're not Windsor. So you're in between and people can always shop your numbers and take it out. But despite the fact you actually pull business from there from sometimes, right. Which is, uh, Pretty time, impressive yeah. thing. Yeah, I'm. I'm always more concerned about the the ones we lose out of our market than the ones we gain. Obviously, yeah. but but you know you've got to take some credit in our used car success. Like you know, um, you know, you did an awesome job with uh, with us. So I mean, I guess yeah. I was in the right place at the right time. Yeah, you know, we were there, and you know, it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So you know, you can you can take some of that credit too, John. It's I'll okay. take one, I'll take one percent of that credit. Yeah, one percent. Right, <laughs> yeah, no, you know it was a good good synergy going on. Uh, so, what is your daily best practices you do, Todd? Like, uh, like what do you do as a general manager, partner of a dealership, like day to day operations? Like, are you a micromanager, or you let people do their jobs, or like what is your style of management? Well, I mean, listen, I do my best to try to to keep a, a positive atmosphere especially when we're in, in the climate we are, where there's like almost no new car, new car inventory. It, aside from the handful of cars I got on the lot or in the showroom, there's like one or two out on the lot. And, uh, you know, I mean, the, 
that that can affect uh, you know the morale of our of our sales staff. But uh, you know, so we got to keep it in the most positive environment. And my micromanager, no, I, you know, you know me, I I do let them manage, but we meet constantly. Like uh, you know, especially uh, um, you know, if let's say we're meeting with the used car manager, we want to look and make sure that you know our cars are cars are priced right, that we're sourcing the best cars. Um, you know, because obviously right now with today's climate, getting cars, uh, you know, especially used is is tough. Um, you know what we're going to get for new because government the, the the Honda has told us basically what we're going to get over the next three months. So. But used is a is a different animal. So, um, the, basically, trying to stay on top of of that. I meet with um, uh, the service manager obviously regularly too to make sure that that uh, um, you know we keep the techs busy and all that kind of stuff. Like I don't wait until the end of the month to say, "Oh, geez, we didn't have a great month in service." Like we know daily. But you know, I mean, there's no there's no real magic. I mean, you know, I come here every day and I want to make sure that everybody's productive. Well, uh, I, I think, you know, you're being uh, very humble there, but, you know, you guys have good practices in place. And uh, I, I was actually surprised. I wasn't expecting from a small town dealer when I first met you guys. And when you told me about you had a BDC center and all that stuff, I'm like, well, you're not an order group and you have your own BDC center for service. You're like, yeah, I got my own full-time person here and all that stuff. I mean, that's before COVID and everything, right? When you need to make those cost adjustments and stuff. But like you were always a big supporter of that database mining and it was uh, it was very good, you know? And uh, mm -hmm. I think you should but, take some of that credit too, man, because you implemented all those things back in 14 and upcoming. Like this didn't happen overnight, right? This has been going on for years of investment to the processes. And, you know, I... I I, I chalk a lot of my skill up to, you know, Peter Hubbard, you know, I mean, uh, and just, you know, on the sales side, um, like I, I, I adapted that philosophy that he had and, um, and it, it meant something. So, um, so, you know, from a sales process, um, you know, like I trained it. So I certainly make sure, it's running to the best I could, my ability here. And essentially, you know, we, our, our, our process is based on what, what the customer wants, right? Customer want comes in the store. They want a price, we give it to them. Customers want payments. We, we make sure that everybody leaves here with, with payments, you know, um, trade numbers. Like I've, I've worked in stores. I've seen stores that, that want to hold all that stuff back because of fear of what they'll do with, with numbers. And I, I just always felt like, you know, you can't make a decision unless you have all the information. So I want to make sure you got all the information and sometimes then some, right? So. Well, definitely the way you do business is uh, pretty contemporary, right? You're not an old school guy and which is pretty, you know, good to see that. And uh, you're, when we used to, I remember the days we used to, uh, evaluate your look to book numbers on v auto and like 75 percent win ratio and like everybody used to call you and it said impossible you can't do yeah. it but i think that number was so high because you guys were highly targeted on your customers and that experience and paying what their car really worth right that that really contributed in that 75 percent and I'm sure there's always things fall through the cracks a little bit. Maybe it wasn't 75, maybe it was like 72%, but still it's very high, high right? It's high, yeah. I, I mean, again, you know, if if uh, if someone comes in and, and, and you just say, hey, your car's worth 5,000 bucks, I mean, they don't believe it's enough. Well, where where people get their numbers for their the values of their vehicles? Like, I, I don't have too many customers in my career come up and say, hey, look, I, I happen to go on Black Book or you know, some auction site and some of my car is worth 2,500 bucks. You know, they're, they're going on an auto trader. They're going, they're, they're looking to see where they're retail. And, they, and that's, so if, if we establish the fact that that's where people shop for their value of their vehicle, then we have to kind of identify that when they're here. If not, you're going to tell them something that's four or $5,000 and, you know, in this time, maybe, maybe higher with the way the used car market is. And if, if, uh, 
you don't address that, then someone's going to leave your store with the feeling they didn't get enough. And um, like, again, it's not, this isn't a secret sauce. It's, it, you know, everybody in the auto industry knows this, right? So thing is, is that we address it with the customer. Well, the, the yeah. problem is we know all the best practices and what we should be doing. And uh, sometimes what we do that is uh, we just don't want to uh, execute it, right? What we know and uh, embrace it. And that's the main challenge that we know what needs to be done to earn that business. And uh, sometimes we don't do it. Sometimes we know the fact that without taking care of the problem of the current car and get customer out of the current vehicle with the with the fair valuation on it, we know that there's no way we're going to be able to sell a car. And sometimes salespeople say, why don't you try to sell it privately? And like, it's, I think that's the worst kind of uh, response we can give it to a customer. If he, if, if let's say a customer comes in a car, doesn't worth the, mo the, the money they think. Right. And then salesperson still wants to say the deal and goes like, sell it privately and come back when you're ready. And like, I think these are the worst things you can say to a customer oh, in a car dealership. 100%. They're, yeah. I mean, I think they're still doing it. I, I can tell you that there are some dealers out there still tell their customers, why don't you try to sell it privately and see what happens? And like, yeah. But yeah. luckily, yeah. I, uh, yeah. it, it surprised me that practice still goes on, you know, goes on in, in dealers. It really basically just asking the customer to leave, you know, when you really think about it. Yeah, because they worry that they may offend the customer. Like, if the custom car was $1,500, justify that cost of $1,500, Tal. Why is it $1,500? Because has rust, has this, kilometers, old car, this, 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 this. Explain that to the customer and and be reasoned with them. Don't just tell, you know what? Your car was $5,000 because I think it is $5,000. No, who cares what you think, right? Justify that. But, you know, COVID changed a lot of things because of that new car inventory situation that there's not enough cars out there. Now the values went up and dealers are starting to sell cars, what they have on the ground. Mm -hmm. And then they learn how to sell a car without discounting it, right? Because yeah, supply and demand. Less supply means high demand. And now you don't have enough new cars. That means you're not going to have enough used cars because where are you going to pull those trades from? That's your bread and butter business. Yeah. And if you want to go buy cars at the auction, go ahead and do it. If you can compete with those numbers there, which is uh, through the roof right now. But yeah. uh, I mean, you know, in some cases, that's that's a source that you just have to realize that, you know, maybe you do have to pay more at the auctions than you normally want. Just trust the fact that you will move the car. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, you just got to keep it, keep a very close eye. When you do that, because I believe things are very fluid, because as soon as that new car inventory ramps up from the manufacturers, which eventually will, because they have no choice to do that, right? They didn't build those factories to run it once a week or twice a week. It's just not profitable for them. No, and, uh, to me, that's that's going to be the interesting thing when things do rebound, and you know, I don't have a crystal ball when it's gonna, but um, uh, when it when it does and to see what those what what will change i really truly believe that you know you know like i i don't know too many dealers and i can't speak outside the honda world that are are, are you know reducing their sale price that much selling it, it you know in this climate you know we don't have any cars and, you, and, and you're discounting i don't know how you can pay your bills but um you know but the experience that a customer is having coming in and paying what we're suggesting um or the you know sort of manufacturer's suggested price or value price or whatever you call it uh by paying that i don't there's there's not that negotiation as soon as the negotiation someone doesn't they want so much off and then they, you're trying to hold on to whatever margin you can it, it it starts to diminish that customer experience and sometimes people leave and they just feel like there's so much more on the table like it's interesting when I hire people and we start, you know, putting them through, you know, a training process, I always ask, you know, point at a Civic or CRV in the showroom and I'll say, what do you, what do you think we paid for that car? And everyone thinks it's like shoes where, you know, like sport check goes and buys Nikes for 50 bucks and sells them for a hundred. Right. And it's amazing how many people think that there's so much markup in the car. It's just based off, you know, what the, 
price of the product is. Um, and when they find out what it really is, it's like you could see the shock on their face, right? So, I mean, it's, it's you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is that like, you know, paying that price that we're selling the cars for is a really good deal when you think about it, right? You know, you don't go yeah. in there. If, if you think about it, unfortunately, there's a lot of information out there that people tend to see. And some of that information is from United States sometimes that they have different, you know, incentives in place sometimes depending on the market. And there's a lot of uh, speculations from people that, oh, yeah, a dealer has that thing called holdback and they make $10,000 on a car like that. Uh, which car sells for 20000 which is illogical to think that way. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of things. And the problem is this, though, in our industry sometimes, that we're not too honest with the customers and explain to them and give that confidence that, hey, like, you know, manufacturer sets that price on the car. This is a pretty good pricing, and it's a fair value for it. And, and you don't give that confidence in the customer. So customer always thinks like, is there still room to negotiate? Maybe my neighbor got a better deal than I did. You know, can I squeeze another $500 here? Like, yeah. because we don't do a good job sometimes with our customers to build that confidence. They don't trust what we say, unfortunately. And I think one thing salespeople need to improve on is trust their word, they say, and be honest with them and straightforward. Like, hey, you're buying this entry-level vehicle it's a pretty good price. You're getting 2.99 interest rate and your payment is this much and we're giving good money for your trade. Give that confidence to your customer. Don't play yeah, games. If people, the variable, if people knew the variable, then it would be, you know, a, a different part, a different negotiation, right? Like if, if, if you think that it's, you think that it's like a hundred percent markup or something like that, then because you, because, <laughs> because you don't know the because not knowing the variable makes the, you know, because it turns into a guessing game, right? Now, mind you, I don't go and tell people what the variable is, but we try to let them know it's just, it's just, it, it's Come not. Come on, Benny. Benny, tell us the truth. You make 100% mark. I, I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I, I always joke around with my dealer friends and say, you know, one day I'm going to go in the grocery store and they ring it up at like $241. And I say, listen, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You know, I'm not going to use my debit card. I'm going to give you 200 cash. Go talk to your guy. <laughs> you know, and go and go look you know and go look at the clerk uh, you know the look on her his or her face right you know um we just don't do it you don't go into sport check and start negotiating with them but it's funny how we do that in the car business and uh some you know some like i know that hyundai has a, a genesis line there that that is you know non-negotiable it's price is the price and all that like i just wish that that our industry as a whole, wouldn't be just small pockets like that, where, you know, it it it's it's like that across the board everywhere, um, and that's why I was saying earlier, like I, when when inventories return to normal, I'd like to hopefully see that, you know, as a whole that we sell the cars closer to the, that that price instead of making this a, a negotiation war. I I one thing in the car business that every dealer should aim to focus on is the thing the, the new term called self-sustainability so self-sustainability means that without spending a single penny on advertising dollars you should still be able to hit your manufacturers or internal targets with your own database of customers as long as you've been in the business more than 10 years right mm -hmm. i'm not talking about a brand new store opens up their doors and expect to do that mm -hmm. but if you're a dealership and you've been in there in your same location more than a decade you should aim to become a self-sustainable operation. Advertising is amazing. Marketing is the best thing to do it. But let's cover our basics first. Let's let's get to that self-sustainability target of, you know, hitting our factory targets or internal targets with our existing service and sales customers by treating them nice, VIP white glove treatment to bring them back to get cars, get the referrals from them first. Then let's go outside and spend that ten, fifteen thousand dollars a month minimum on advertising. That's mm -hmm. my understanding of the future of the car business, because existing customers with the existing service with you less likely to uh, have that trust issues with you when you tell them this is your best possible price. You can do it. 
because they yeah. conducted that business with they know Todd Bennett, they know Chris Degra, they know Lou, they know your staff. So when mm -hmm. they come back for the second car three, four years later, you can convince them easier because you had that existing rapport. Well, what we do that is, you know what? Let's go out our PMA and advertise digital marketing so the manufacturer won't catch us. And then let's try to steal their business. Well, first become self-sustainable with your own clientele and then worry about stealing business from a competition. So, and that's the problem too. What happens when you try to steal a business from a competition? I give you a better deal. Like, what's your competitive edge? And I, we always say, I give you a better deal. I beat their deal by this. Like, what does it do for you? Number one, that service customer doesn't come back for service, right? Yeah. The second one is your CSI goes down because everything is based on, I give you a better deal. Yeah. And no relationship, nothing. I don't think that's the right practice to do. So I think that's going to be the main challenge when that inventory ramps up. And then the cars start arriving and dealers panicking, like, okay, now we got to go back to the old way of doing business. Yeah. Tell that customer, what would it get you doing your business today? <laughs> you know, things yeah. like that. I mean, it's good to try to close deals. You should always ask for a business, right? Mm -hmm. Always course, find yeah. a way. Yeah. But don't just, I, my sense is like two senses. Don't only focus on the price. I give you a better deal or don't go spend thousands of dollars wasting that money. Because one thing is this, the manufacturers do a phenomenal job advertising the product anyways, digitally. So yeah, if you're going to do a digital advertising, your number one goal on the digital advertising should be targeting your own database, right? Yeah. Like why, why would you like to go and trying to promote the brand that you sell? Okay, promote it, but you, you don't have to compete with the other brands with your advertising strategy. Because manufacturers are giants, they're very smart people. Like, despite the fact everybody, all the dealers think manufacturers don't know anything about the business, they have very good people working for them, and 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 they make those digital marketing decisions based on the data, and they do really good conquest campaigns. And I'm talking about all the manufacturers, not one specific. Like, they're very smart at data, right? They're better than the car dealers. You gotta trust and rely, and you know. Have faith in your manufacturer to let that competitive thing to do it. And then you focus on taking care of the customer who's contacting you, whether phone or e-leads or all those different mediums. Like, that's yeah. what I think. I don't know what you think about that, but. Well, I mean, my my um, my market might be different. And when, like, I don't have another Honda store in the city I'm in, like some of the bigger cities do. But yeah. what I do, and we talked about, you know, the size of Chatham Kent and, you know, like the, I think the next closest dealer would be Windsor or, you know, London. But I look at all the people that, you know, basically if you look from London all the way right down to um, uh, Windsor Sarnia, how many people live there? There's a lot of people like it's got to be close to a million and a half people, maybe more. And there's you know, a handful of Honda stores, there's plenty of people out there for us all to sell cars. So I really don't really try to focus on outside my PMA. I, I mean, like, yeah, to me, it's not about selling the car and that's it. Like we, you know, we want to have a relationship where they come back and, and, and do service with us and all that kind of stuff. And you're right. I'm not going to drive personally. I, I don't think I'd drive a, over an hour to go get an oil change or, you know, warranty work. I'd rather, I'd rather, you know, deal local. I'm hoping people think that way, that way too. Um, so yeah. And you know what it is when you, when you're thinking about conquest advertising, it is, it is a crapshoot sometimes. Cause you don't know, like, I don't know any car dealers anymore that put ads in the paper, but I remember like 10 years ago, there was dealers putting half page colored ads in, 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 in the paper and they're spending boatloads of money. And then, you know, radio used to be a big thing. I don't know anybody's advertising on the radio anymore. Like, you know, to put, that that money into um, uh, an average, you know, on an average, knowing it, you're not going to get a return on investment or not know your return on investment, which is, is scary as well. So, yeah. you know, it is, it is, uh, it is, and that's what that's why I think we focus much, you know, on our database. Again, this store has been here for like forty, almost forty-four years. So there's lots of people that we can advertise to that, you know know what kind of business we are and how we can treat them 
Right. Your own customers who did Our actively customers. doing business with. You remember yeah. the days we look at your database and we said, okay, so how many active customers been here to your dealership last six months? And we were like, wow, that's like thousands of people. That's amazing, yeah. you know? And like- I always thought people, it was interesting when you had us do the report where we looked at people that, you know, did ser service with us, but didn't buy from us. Yeah, that was a very interesting customers. one. Yeah, and then you look and see, you know, what their service history was with us and that they hadn't bought a car and look at some of the distance that people were driving. Right. So, yeah. um, and again, that, that's, that's, that's why it's important to make sure that you, you know, you talk, we talk about CSI that, that we keep our customers very happy too. So yeah, people don't follow the funnel. There, there's nothing more important in a car dealership than keeping or any business to keeping that customer happy. Because if you don't keep the customers happy and you're trying to, you know, <laughs> trying to keep yourself happy, it's 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 going to doom the business. Right. And, yeah. and any any kind of uh, establishment focuses on customers. The rest will come after that easily. So yeah. that's that's what that's what that's why the manufacturers pushing the CSI too much, because like happy customers, you know, bring more customers and it only takes one upset customer to affect 100 sales. So uh, it's interesting. I actually have a, a question from uh, Ramit. Uh, he's like, he basically asked, has COVID highlighted redundancies uh, in the process? If so, what are they? How are you addressing it? I don't think I don't. I don't think it has. Um, you know, I mean, the, the 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 sales process still works. You know, I think that uh, um, you know, there's some things we're more cautious in, like when it comes to test drives. Obviously, you know, um, you know that 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 is a little different. But um, the only the only thing that I can I can say that that we've really not changed, but maybe focus more on is that when you know we greet a customer and meet a customer we immediately want to look at their car you know um as a as a sales manager if you're looking at a car let's say that's uh something you normally wouldn't keep something that would be uh um you know maybe say it's a you know i'm a honda store so it's a ford mustang and i'm looking at it in october do i really want a gt mustang well normally in a sales process in most stores yeah, that sales that sales manager is going to get that information on that car like after they've gone on a test drive after they think hey this is the car we might you know get some more detailed numbers on and yeah you know let's look at that car now well, you're going to give your sales manager about 15 to half 20 minutes to decide if he wants that car or not but just imagine if he had that information or she had that information um at uh you know, sort of the second step of that sale. So while that customer's looking at a car, you know, getting the walk around, going on a test drive, and now that sales manager might have 45 minutes to decide, hey, this might be a car I want. Get some time to do some research, you know. Um, so I insist that uh, we get that information as soon as possible. And we talked earlier about look to book, right? And having that high percentage of look to book. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to let that go. I, I, I had stopped in our sales meeting on Monday with the sales people and said, I want as many appraisals in there as possible. I'm not really so looking at the closing ratio on it is that right now we need to buy as many used cars as we can. And the more information that we can put in there, the more appraisals we can do, the more likelihood that we can buy some cars and not have to go to the auction or not have to, you know, um, try to buy it from another lot here around and it, it's just, it becomes uh, financially almost impossible. Right. So, but you know, the best ways to get uh, good used cars are from people that, you know, have done business with you, you know about it or they're local and all that kind of stuff. So I want as much of that information early on where I know a lot of dealers, you know, used car managers don't want to look or, put numbers on cars or appraise cars or anything like that unless there's a purchase going to happen where right. I, I've abandoned that. I want, I want, you know, like it's also, it's February, like, you know, how busy are we? So 
I don't know if I'm answering this question or not, but that's the only real thing that I've, I've, you know, focused on. It's like, let's, let's start appraising them really early. So I have a lot more time to decide if that's a car when I buy for the lot, or maybe we're going to wholesale or put it on, on an auction. Um, you know, giving yourself more than 10 minutes to make a decision on something like that. And also listen, our customers come in, it's a unique business because the majority of the time someone's buying a car from us, right? They're also selling us something. You don't go to a furniture store with your old couch and see what you're going to get for it, right? But they do with your car. There's no like it's such a unique business that way, right? Yeah. Um so like so customer comes in, they want to know what they're going to pay for a new car and what you're going to pay for theirs. So let's draw that attention up front on the on their car and get that going. You know. And then again, I'm going to give them some details that maybe a lot of dealers aren't going to give out of fear, right? I'm not afraid to lose business because I gave someone information. I'm afraid to lose business if I don't give that customer information, if that makes any sense, right? You yeah. know, I, I just find it funny. I've gone into stores as a, as a trainer, I've gone into stores and just watched how salespeople are afraid to give people price and payments, right? I've been stores where they say, well, how much is that car? And they'll go over to a car that's a hundred thousand dollars and say, well, it's 99,000 or plus tax. And, and that's the price the customer is not going to pay. Right. Like that customer is most likely going to make monthly payments on it. Right. That's really what the customer is asking. Right. And, and, and to, to run away from that um, and not give that person information because you're afraid they're going to take that information to another store and shop. Well, if you don't give them the information, then they're going to go to someplace that will and probably do business there. So, well, make your experience such a, uh, a pleasant experience so that they will make the purchase when they come to your store because you only, uh, I mean, if you look at the data coming from these companies like Google and all those uh, data analytics company, right? They say mm -hmm. customers spend, customers only go to 1.6 dealerships before they pull the trigger. Well, that means you're very high chances of selling that customer when they're in front of you. So then if you give them what they want and treat them nice and convince the fact that this is the right place to conduct business, why would they leave the store and somewhere else? They already made their decision anyways. They already put their heart and soul on that car before they come. If your car wasn't good, they wouldn't be sitting in front of you to begin with. Yeah. Right? They would just test drive and say, okay, we'll come back later and just disappear, right? Or they wouldn't mm -hmm. even come there to begin with. Like, right. do you ever go to the restaurant that is doesn't taste the way you want, right? Like, you don't do it. Yeah. People spend a lot of time online, find out what car they want. They just want to confirm that if you're the right place to conduct that business, give them right. the feelings, earn their business. Very straightforward process. Yeah. And yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. You're right. Oh, and I, you know, I, I think you're bang on on that, uh, on that ratio as well. The, uh, and I, I remember uh, just a quick story when I was training at a store and, and I remember asking them if they, if, uh, if someone came in and asked for a brochure, would they consider that person an up or a lead? And, and they, and they said, no, um, you know, and I was like, you know, so, well, they're just coming in to get information. And I was like, anybody that pulls a handle on that door, you know, they wouldn't come in here unless they wanted to buy a car. Like maybe not today, maybe not next month, but who would go to a car dealer to get a brochure or who would go to a car dealer just to like look at something and, and, you know, I, I'm going to buy a car eventually in my life. Like, obviously there's some <laughs> interest. Right. Um, and I just couldn't get through to him. And I said, just imagine if you went to shoppers drug mart and, and are you work there? And I went into shoppers drug mart, I'm down in the shampoo aisle and say, Hey, how can I help you out? Well, no, I'm just, uh, I'm just, you know, gathering information today. I don't know if I'm going to get the Pantene or whatever, but you know, I'm going to look around. I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to Rexall and see what they got theirs on for. And I'm going to get it for the best price. No, if you're going in there, you're going to buy it. Right. So, you know, I, I'm not delusional to think that, that everyone that's going to come in here is going to, is going to buy a car and they're going to buy from me today. But I believe that if I do everything right, that they, there's no reason to leave, right? Um, like, you know, you'll be sitting there again, 26 years. I've, I've here. Oh, they've only got 10 minutes. They got to, they got to go pick up their kids. Well, I'm a father of three. If I've only got 10 minutes, if I only have 10 minutes, I'm not going to like put myself in a situation where I could be late picking them up. 
So, you know, I, I always sort of think about what they're saying, right? They're not saying I got to pick up my kids in 10 minutes. You only have 10 minutes to wow me. And if there's any extra time, then you have to earn it, right? I've had people all my career, 10, all my 10 minutes, 10 minutes, an hour and a half later, they're still here, right? Because we made, we built value of why they should stay or why they, why, why we got more than 10 minutes. Or, or, or so think this you, way. You can get me going. But 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 think this way too, Todd. Like, let's say a customer because there's going on there. Let's say the customer is in the process of negotiating, right? And there's a hot negotiation going on back and forth, right? And the salesperson comes to you says, "Unless we give them this, they're gonna walk away." And like you're looking at your GP, you're like seven hundred dollars gross you're holding, and like customer wants another thousand off, and all of a sudden you go out. There's a manager and like oh, explain to them, and somehow the deal is closed. And then they go to the business office and they spend another three thousand dollars. I'm like, then your salesperson used to tell you they don't have money to spend. Okay, but how did they spend more in the business yeah. office? Because that business manager did a better job explaining the packages available for their benefit, and the customer said that makes sense because as a salesperson, you didn't do a good job explaining to them why this is the price of the car. You know what yeah. I mean, like. It's so fun. How many yeah. times that happens, right? Oh, yeah. Unless you give $5 off from the payment, they're not going to do it. And they go to the business office daily with $30 more payment. And then you tell salesperson, what happened? He's like, uh, I don't know. I'm like, I tell you what happened. Your business manager did a better job than you did. Yeah. Explaining yeah, I, that customer. I think I think people have two budgets too. I think they have a have what they kind of want to save on the car and and you know, and what they want to spend on protecting it too. I you know, again, I don't have any data to support that, but that's just my gut. I think it's all about relationship and how much trust you can build with your customers and how good of a job you do satisfying their purchase needs is the is the secret. Mm -hmm. There's really nothing specific about this. Just greet customers with a smile, answer the questions, do your job presenting the product, do your test drives. Right. Yeah, give them sure. what they want. Give them what give they them want. what they want. Right. Give them the data they need, and ask for the business. Nothing wrong with asking the business. Ask for it. You know what do yeah. you think? And but don't try to play games like, oh, I'll appraise your car when you're ready to. Are you ready to buy today, sir? What kind of question is that? Like, you know? Yeah. They're disrespectful, right? But and well, it, it is what it is. Uh, you know. Todd, time flies by with you, man. Like normally, I do these for thirty minutes. We're like almost in fifty-minute mark now. I, I just oh, wow. realized that. Wow, no, it's okay. I, I have no issue. I guess uh, Ramit said. Ramit said your answer is good. Refoc refocusing when you action the trading process. Thank you. Ramit is a smart guy. He's a very analytical guy. So I, I, he was the DRM, and we used to do dealer visits together. And oh. smart, smart guy. So we're almost the same age. And uh, Brent Jewers, uh, by the way, Brent Jewers is the guy who brought me in the car business uh, more than 13 oh, yeah. years ago, back in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And he's like my first mentor in the car business. I wonder if he has regret. I'm kidding. Oh, for sure he does. <laughs> like, he always says, why do we let people like you in the car? No, I'm kidding. He doesn't say that. <laughs> but Brent uh, is the guy who uh, thought all the basics in the car business I learned from him. And uh, he said... Sometimes a good dealer is simply left holding the bag after a bad experience at another store. So many things go wrong before they ever set a foot in your store. So, yeah, so that happens too, right? Customer comes from a different dealership yeah. where you had a bad experience. But, well, good stuff. Anything, uh, Todd, before we wrap it up, you want to add? I think it was a good conversation. You're mm -hmm. someone that I respect a lot. And, uh, if uh, how about uh, staffing? Are you hiring people? Are you looking for people to work for you? What's the situation there? Yeah, uh, I mean, listen, you could probably ask that to every dealer that you talk to, um, but uh, and the answer would be, you know, yes. So uh, I think currently we um, are looking for a service advisor, um, and I think Chris is looking for a salesperson. So. Chris Degra, nice. Yeah. Chris is a phenomenal guy, you know. I wish uh, maybe I'll do a podcast with him too one day. Yeah, you should. 
Michelle is a good fella. So you're looking for salesperson and a service advisor. And how do they reach you? Like, where do they send those resumes or how do they apply for these jobs? Well, you can send it to me directly. My email is real easy. It's Todd at chathamhonda.com. Okay. No spamming. Go to our website and and call Yeah. Okay. And Todd, if somebody has any questions, let's say a young person wants to come into the car business and they're looking for some questions, like not a mentor, but like, you know, quick questions, maybe a student, currently a student in school, or maybe, you know, we've got a lot of students in this automotive business college and they're looking to get into the car business. Uh, you don't mind answering people's questions, right? If somebody shoots you a quick email or they want to give no you a quick call, hey, Todd, all that stuff. Okay, good. Yeah. Because that's the, one of the things we, I think, need to focus on car business as, as, as professionals, that young people want to come into the business. Uh, I think they should be able to reach us out and, hey, what do you think? What should I do? I think that's a good kind of uh, stuff too, because not very many people consider car business when they're looking for a career. And I think it's a very rewarding career. And everybody wants to be like, I got to get an office job and like, yeah, it's, it's good. But you know, if you're a successful salesperson, you can go your way up and like yourself, right? You started as a salesperson, you made your way up. Now you're a partner in a dealership. And, uh, I think it's a lot more rewarding than just having an office job too. Right. And it's fun mm -hmm. because yeah. there's a lot more uh, interpersonal relationships. So, well, Todd, thank you very much. My pleasure. Uh, thank you. Uh, we'll, we'll keep in touch and, Thank you, everybody, watching our uh, and listening our podcast today. Uh, next week, Todd, I'm going to have Dave Barber and Sam Barber from Northern Honda. All oh, right on. Right oh, yeah. on. Another it's good gonna, dealer. It's going to be an interesting because my concept is normally one-on-one. -on -one, uh, and uh, next week, I'm going to have two-to-one. And, you know, barbers are, you know, they're strong. You know, you don't want to mess with them. So, <laughs> no. you know, they're good hockey family, you know. <laughs> they're, they're big hockey family. So, you know uh good stuff man thank you for your time i wish you. you all the best hope you sell uh lots of cars oh genie said good seeing you well thank you genie oh, awesome. my, my boss genie you know i i reported to her for three years oh, i'll tell you something you know todd uh, I, I have to confess this i thought i know how to read financial statement before joining honda you know like because i worked in the business i thought but uh, what I learned from Jeannie Tremblay, that's uh, a lot. And she really helped me how to analyze the data in a, in a logical sense. And I thank you, thank, thank you her for that. And I wish everybody a great day and uh, talk to you guys later. Thank you very right. much. Have a great thank day. You. Bye. Take care. Bye.